find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Working can be such a drag, but it's a necessary evil. What better way to combat the woes of the working world than to commiserate with your fellow man? I'm Jay. And I'm Kay. And we're the hosts of Fuck My Work Life, a comedy podcast where we share people's stories from the workplace. Whether they're funny, weird, scary, or just plain messed up, they're always entertaining and may leave you thinking you don't have it so bad after all. Available on all major podcast platforms. Give us a listen. Your sanity may just depend on it. listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Identity Podcast on the Podmoth Media Network, your foray into the weird, wonky, and sometimes downright spooky. Welcome back to another season, the 10th season of the Odd Pod. Over the years, I've had the honor and privilege to meet some awesome people, both guests and contributors for show topics, and the listener stories I'll share with you today. Thank you all for sticking with me and I hope that we'll be able to enjoy many more seasons together. These listener stories sent to me via email are sure to chill your bones. The theme this time around is retail sales and customer service. Arguably the most bone-chilling, life-altering jobs known to man because, let's face it, customer-facing service jobs are the worst. Dealing with people in general can be a challenge. But add a cup of coffee, a chicken sandwich, or a pair of chinos, and people can be absolutely awful. These contributors know all about the Karens of the customer service world, but they've also experienced something for which they have no explanation. So, retire to the break room, jam those earbuds in, and delight in these listener tales. Just be sure to check under the table, behind the door, and over your shoulder, because you never know what might be lurking. Sandra, Oregon. There was nothing behind his eyes. For many years, I worked at a grocery store while I paid my way through college. It was a mom and pop, so the pay was pretty good, and I got a week of vacation every year. I always got less than 30 hours a week, so I was always part-time, which means no benefits. But the owners were nice, and I got along with my coworkers. All of my coworkers, except Dave. When I first started at the market, Dave had trained me a little bit. He worked in produce, but he'd also worked in a bunch of other positions in the store. And even though this guy seemed to smoke nonstop, breaking every hour or so to go out by the loading dock, and was pretty standoffish, he was trusted by the owners. And so he was trusted with training. My first day with Dave was pretty uneventful. 
He was kind of surly. He swore a lot when he spoke, if he spoke at all, and his clothes never looked clean. He had long, stringy hair that he'd wear up in a sad ponytail, and his facial hair was unkempt. As I watched him stock displays and he showed me around the back room, I learned that Dave was super unhappy at work. The smallest things would set him off. I once saw him have a complete meltdown and smash a mirror when somebody forgot to replace a roll of toilet paper in the staff bathroom. But it was almost as if nobody noticed Dave's general displeasure for literally everything about working there or his explosive outbursts. One day a couple of weeks later, I came in to work expecting to see Dave in produce, but he didn't show up for his shift. When I asked some of the other employees, they shrugged and just said that they didn't know where Dave was or what was going on with him. It made sense. He barely talked to me, and he was training me. If I asked a question, I'd generally get a grunt or a jabbed finger in a general direction. I worked my shift, punched out, at around 10.30 p.m. and walked to the employee section of the parking lot. It was towards the back, and that part of the parking lot wasn't super well lit. As I rounded the end of a minivan and my car came into sight, I noticed two little kids standing by the passenger side, a boy and a girl. They looked to be between 7 and 10 years old, and they were dressed in clothing that seemed out of date. This happened in 2001, and their clothing looked to be more from the 40s or 50s. They looked dirty, and their clothes were all torn in places. They watched me go to the driver's side and unlock the door. I thought it was weird that two young kids would be standing around in a dark parking lot like that, so I asked them if they needed help. The kids both nodded and said that they needed me to drive them somewhere. I explained that we could go back in the store and we could call their parents to come pick them up, but I wasn't able to take them anywhere in my car. I watched them as they began to make their way around the front of my car, and as they came closer, a car passed by on a nearby road, and the light from the headlights let me see their eyes. They were completely black. All the short hairs stood up on the back of my neck, and I got into my car, closing and locking the door behind me. The kids came around the driver's door and tapped on the window. They kept saying they needed me to drive them somewhere, and to let them in, in voices that sounded like they were coming through an old crackly speaker. Then, I saw Dave. He came up behind the car and stood next to the children. He looked the same as he always did, but his eyes looked totally empty, like there was nobody home. He didn't say anything, he just stared at the car. I sat frozen for a moment watching his reflection in the side view mirror. When the children knocked on the glass again, it was harder and more insistent. I decided to get out of there. I turned the car on and backed out of the spot, speeding off as fast as I could. I still remember watching their shapes get smaller and smaller in my rearview mirror and the sound of their strange little voices. I learned later while listening to an episode of your podcast that these may have been BEKs, or black-eyed kids. I left my job at the grocery store and found another position at a big-box store a little way away. I don't know what happened to Dave, and I don't care to find out. Tony, Minnesota My first summer job in high school was at a gas station just off the expressway. My dad knew the owner, and although I wasn't old enough to sell alcohol, I often found myself alone behind the counter on weeknights, because for the most part, people were just stopping in for water, soda, and snacks. I've got several weird stories from this time, but here are just a couple. The Lurker 
Every weeknight at the same time, this random guy would hang out by the gas pump, staring at me. I didn't know him, and he never came inside. On one night in particular, the owner went back to relieve himself while I manned the register. A guy came in and bought a gallon of milk and several bags of chips, and he mentioned the weird dude by the pumps. I said it was a regular thing. The guy just stood there staring, and it had been happening for a while. He only stuck around a few hours, and eventually I'd look out there and he'd be gone. The guy says, some people are just so fucking weird. I tell him he doesn't know the half of it. The guy left with his milk and his chips, and the owner came back. I told him about the same random guy at the pumps, and the owner just shrugged. Maybe he was waiting for a ride or something? Sure, that seemed reasonable. So I go on about my business. I get a few more customers, one buys beer, and the owner rings him up. I take a moment to take a slug of my energy drink and look out the window. The creeper is gone. An hour and a half later, I'm getting ready to leave for the night. The place is 24 hours, but I don't work overnights. The owner tells me to go check the garbage cans by the pumps, so I run out there with a couple of new bags and I start tidying up. As I'm pulling a bag out that's extra full and trying not to spill it everywhere, I hear a voice behind me. They told me to come see you. I turn around and there's my creepy friend staring at me with eyes that are almost too dark. It's almost like his pupils are so big that you can't see the whites of his eyes. I don't respond to the guy, but I take a few steps back and I glance at the window by the cash register to see if the owner is looking. He's not. I snap back to the creeper and I set the bags I'm holding down just in case I need to throw down or run. I have a message from them. Would you like to see it? They said I should show you. The creeper's voice is scratchy and his words come out like a hiss. He's wearing a pair of ripped jean shorts and a tank top that's clinging to him. He's sweating profusely and his wide smile doesn't show in his eyes, if that makes sense. By one of the pockets on his shorts, there's a dark stain. It looks like blood. I take a few more steps backward, not really paying attention, and my feet get tangled in the bags. I fall backward and I land hard on my back. I put my arms over my face to protect myself, just in case this guy takes this opportunity to jump me. I wait, but nothing happens. I look around and the guy is gone. But on the ground where he was, there's a knife with blood on it. I get to my feet and I run to the store, locking the door behind me, and I tell the owner what happened. He calls the cops. The cops arrive and they take the knife and a statement from me. I give them a description, and I think that's the end of it. A couple of weeks later, I get a visit at work from one of the cops who took my statement. He shows me a photo of the guy, a mugshot, and asks me if that's the guy I remember. I say it is. He tells me they found the guy by a dumpster a couple of miles away. He asks me if I'm sure that this is the guy. I tell him I know for sure it was him. The cop said that the body had been there about a month by the time they found it, so it's not possible that I saw him. The guy was already dead at that point. Bathroom Buddy A lot of gas stations have a key that you have to pick up from the cashier if you want to use the bathroom. The owner of the gas station I worked at had the same system, a single key attached to a hubcap. It's a little after 9 p.m. and I'm looking forward to being off in a few hours when somebody comes in for the bathroom key. The public restrooms are outside and around the back of the station, so they have to grab the key, use the facilities, and then bring the key back to the cashier. This guy is over six feet tall. He takes the key from me with a hand that's the size of a catcher's mitt, and he ducks out to get out the door. 
I'm about to clock out for the night when I realize that Andre the Giant hasn't come back with the bathroom key. The owner tells me to go check the bathroom before I leave. I figure the guy used the bathroom and left the key in the door because that's usually the case. I'd clean the bathrooms when I started my shift, so I'm hoping that they're not completely destroyed because they've been unlocked the whole time. I go around the back and it's completely dark except for the light between the men's and women's bathrooms. The key is indeed sticking out of the door, so I grab it, but I pause a minute because there's a terrible smell coming out of the bathroom. I open the door more and look in. The place is covered in shit, like literally every surface. I hear a noise behind me and I turn around and Andre is standing there also covered in shit. I don't know what to do at this point. What can you really say in that type of situation? So I jog back to the cash register and I tell my boss what happened. He says to call the cops and he takes off around the side of the building. The cops arrive quickly and they take this guy into custody. They need to use two sets of handcuffs because the guy is so huge. Turns out he escaped from a mental health facility and they'd been looking for him. To this day, I have no idea why he painted the bathroom or himself in his own excrement. Rebecca, Detroit. The Spirit of Tacos. I used to work at a Mexican restaurant when I was in my early 20s. The place had been in my neighborhood for over 15 years, which is not the greatest area, and it was all really run down. The machinery was constantly breaking down and it was impossible to keep any staff. We were always shorthanded and I often found myself working at 2 a.m. alone. I'm tiny as far as height and weight goes, so my boss told me that if anyone comes in to try and rob the place, just give them whatever they want. It's not worth getting hurt over. I say no problem because I'm not risking my life for tacos. I'm still not sure if I'm happy he's concerned or if I'm concerned that he thinks that I'd actually take a bullet for fucking tacos. So it's 12.30 a.m. on a Sunday morning, and the Saturday night shift was completely ridiculous. I'm amazed that so many people eat this type of food so late slash early. I check the dining room and the place is currently empty, so I lock the side door and I adjust the sign to say what time I'll be back, and I head to the bathroom. The downside of working alone is that you have to lock up every time you have to go, and the place has to be empty. So it had been some time since there was a huge rush. I get to the bathroom and settle in, and I hear a light knock on the door. Not the outside door, the bathroom door. The bathroom I'm currently sitting in. I wait a minute, thinking maybe I'm hearing things, and the knocking doesn't happen again, so I finish up, wash my hands, and I go to unlock the outside door. I take a quick look around the dining area in the back, but I don't see anyone. Of course there are a ton of people waiting, so then I have another huge rush to deal with. By the time 3am rolls around, I'm exhausted. I've been cleaning as best I can throughout the night, so really all I need to do is clean the dining room, shut down the back, and clean the bathrooms. I finish everything else pretty quickly, and I fill the mop bucket and tackle the bathrooms. The men's room is a disaster, but the women's isn't so bad. I close the door behind me because it opens in and it gives me more space to move around. I'm mopping and I hear the knocking again. It's soft, almost as if a child is knocking. I move the mop bucket and I lean the mop against the wall and open the door. There's nobody there. I check the dining room in the back. Nothing. 
I head back to the bathroom, close the door, and continue cleaning up, only to hear the knocking again. The store is pretty quiet in general, and aside from traffic noise outside, there isn't much besides the hum of some of the machinery in the kitchen. There's no explanation for this knocking noise. It literally sounds like knuckles against the door. Again, I hear the knocking, and this time I don't take the time to move the mop bucket. I pull open the door quickly. The air around me gets very cold all of a sudden, and I see a dark shape disappear down the short hallway to the kitchen. All of the hair on the back of my neck and my arms stands up. I knew it wasn't a person because the shape didn't seem to be walking on its legs. It just seemed to glide like it was traveling on a pocket of air. I closed the bathroom door and stood there for what seemed like forever, but was only a minute or so, trying to figure out what I'd seen. I didn't hear any additional knocks, so I finished mopping quickly and poked my head out of the bathroom to see if there was anything there. The restaurant was quiet. I left the bucket and the mop in the hall and quickly and quietly made my way out of the building. I didn't see anything, but I felt like I was being watched by something I couldn't see. I put in for a transfer to another store and I got it a couple of weeks later. I've never gone back to that store, not even as a customer and it's been almost 10 years. Rita, Florida. All teeth. I have a ton of stories that span almost 30 years in retail sales. Some of them are doozies. This one is for sure the creepiest. I've been working at a high-end clothing retailer for several years, and the customer base ranged from curious onlookers who never bought anything to cereal shoppers who I was sure were hoarders and would eventually be found dead in their home underneath a pile of sweaters that had fallen over and suffocated them. There were also exceptions, people who were middle of the road, who wanted to buy something nice for their SO but couldn't really afford it, and this particular individual. Luckily, she was the exception. It was a week before Christmas in 1998, and I was working a double. The store I worked at was huge, two floors, and had a pretty regular customer base. I was in the jewelry department and was completely run off my feet. Nothing says Merry Christmas like a piece of jewelry. I'd just finished with a gentleman who had made a huge purchase, and I was placing items back in the glass case when a woman walked up to me asking where the ladies' bathroom was. I pointed down the aisle without really looking at her too hard. She was dressed modestly and had mousy shoulder-length brown hair. And I told her that it was to the left, about halfway between where we were and to the front of the store. Then I went back to organizing my case and handling the few customers who wanted to see items. When it was time to close, I did the usual shutting and locking of all the cases and making sure that everything was accounted for. Then I headed to the break room to punch my time card. As I passed the bathroom area, I heard a man screaming. It was one of the janitors. He was running out of the men's restroom, holding his arm, blood dripping everywhere. He was yelling about being bitten. I froze and watched as security went into the bathroom and pulled out a woman who was kicking and screaming. A few minutes later, the police showed up and got her down on the ground, handcuffing her. When they pulled her up off the floor, I could see blood running from her mouth. Her eyes were completely black. It was the mousy-haired woman that I'd spoken to. She was screaming incoherently and spitting at the janitor that she'd taken a chunk out of. I learned later that she'd been released from a mental health facility because they needed the space. 
She was fine when she was on her medication, but when she wasn't, she essentially lost all touch with reality. She told the police that the janitor was feeding her chocolates, and she'd accidentally bitten him. The janitor said that he was mopping, and the woman came out of the stall on the opposite end of the bathroom, and sunk her teeth into his arm with no provocation. She didn't say a word, just bit him. I'm sure you can imagine which story the police believed. That's all for this week, dear listeners. Tune in next time for more tales of the creepy, weird, and paranormal. Until then, stay spooky. All the stories shared on this episode are presented with the permission of their respective authors. The Identity Podcast is brought to you by host Janine Mercer. The podcast is written and edited by Janine Mercer, unless otherwise stated, and the music is created using GarageBand. You can find The Odd Pod on Twitter and Instagram at IdentityPod, and a transcript of this episode can be found at theidentitypodcast.wordpress.com. Don't forget to share this podcast with your friends, leave a review, and subscribe so that you'll be in the know when a new episode drops.